Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. Today's program is brought to you in part by the financial support of our listeners. You can support the program on a one-time basis, support.greatdetectives.net, or become one of our ongoing monthly Patreon supporters at patreon.greatdetectives.net. Now it's time for today's episode of Richard Diamond. The original air date, February the 23rd, 1951. And this one is The Lady in Distress. Dick Powell as Richard Diamond, Private Detective. Here transcribed is Richard Diamond, Private Detective, starring Dick Powell. Diamond Detective Agency. Diamond, that's a girl's best friend, you know. Not this girl anymore. Oh, Helen, hi. Hi, you stinker. Hmm? Where were you all day yesterday? Oh, well, you'll never guess what happened. No. Nine o'clock City Hall. They told me I have to renew my license. Cost $200. Go on. I'm listening, but I'm not sympathetic. Ten o'clock, my bank. Withdrew $2.35. The wad. Well, big oaks from little acorns grow. Exactly. That was the idea. So 11 o'clock, my broker's. Pawn, that is. Deposited typewriter, watch, ring. One thirty, Louis Barbershop. A lie. You had a haircut two days ago. And I was trimmed again. Louis' tip on the 7th should have been read backwards. Honey, not only that, I lost a lot of faith in Louie. What I need is a good client with $200, and I... Oh. Uh, this might be the one. She's wearing mink. And she's got nice black eyes. Rick, I'll loan you $200. Tell her to take her eyes somewhere else. Uh, sorry, honey. The eyes have it. Bye. Well, uh, may I help you? Is your name Richard Dunn? I'm thinking of changing it to Richard Zircon, but what can I do for you? Will you work for me, please? Here. $300. Lady, I'll die for you. He was always so nice. Then this morning I met him at the house for coffee and told him what I found out. Suppose you start from the beginning and we'll see what we can do about him. Sit down. I don't know how I could be so stupid. They were just using me. I've made a terrible mistake. Uh, we all make mistakes. I'm in desperate trouble, Mr. Diamond. I... What's wrong with you? You're shivering. What is it? What, what? Help me, Mr. Diamond! Please! Please! Help me! She fell into my arms, tearing at her stomach, as if she'd just swallowed hot lead. She was still trying to talk when I let her down to the floor and ran out for some water. 
When I came back five seconds later, she was unconscious. And in another five seconds, she was dead. Ain't Richard Diamond, defective detective. <laughs> and your name, Sonny? Why, it's me, Otis, Sergeant Otis. You know me, Rick. Oh, yes, yes, Sergeant Otis. I didn't recognize you there for a minute. You had an intelligent look on your face. Oh, you think that's funny, don't you? Well, let me tell you something really funny. Well, do. Personnel division tells me if you don't get up 200 bucks by midnight... You're going to be an ex-private detective. One of the reasons why I'm here, Otis, old buddy. Now, on your lunch hour, trot up to personnel and tell them about the color of this. Why'd you get all the scratch? For my client. But she's dead. Well, go ahead, say it. She's dead. But dead or alive, she hired me and paid me, and I'm still working for her. Here. You can take it upstairs and cover my license fee for me. Oh, all right. Now, try to smile through those tears. There you are. Two hundred. All counted. You won't have to take off your shoes. Okay, I'll take it up for you. Uh, hey, uh, about that dame, Diamond. Y- you know, I got to see you. Otis, Otis, there's smoke coming out of your ears. I told you that would happen if you ever tried to think for yourself. Now, where's Levinson? Lieutenant's across the hall in the medical examiner's office. I'll go get him. Uh, never mind, I'll do it myself. You might lose your way. Oh, Hello, Rick. Glad you dropped by. Hi, Walt. What did you find out about the girl? Medics just finished with her. It was Xynethol killed her. Xynethol? That's new to me. It's a drug. Petrol base. Been in her stomach about an hour. Judging from the way she acted and talked, it could have been suicide. Hmm. What's her name? Haven't made it yet. Don't know who she is? You need some new talent around here, Walt. Well, there's no identification. Prints haven't lined up with anything yet. Too bad, huh? Real nice-looking kid. I agreed. She was a nice-looking kid. The kind you wait all year long to ask to the senior prom. Watching her die that morning hadn't been easy. It was like standing helpless in the middle of a sudden blizzard that wipes out the flowers of an early spring. When I got back to my office, I was still wondering who she was and how I could help her. Hi, Ricky boy. I've been waiting for you. Oh, hello, Bridgie. Isn't it a little late in the day to be cleaning up my office? Oh, I finished swabbing it down a few minutes ago. I was just waiting to uh, get... Sorry, Bridgie. No canasta this afternoon. Don't feel like it. Me neither. Got to take my banjo lesson in half an hour. Waited around to give you this. What, uh... Found this purse lying in your waist basket. One of your girlies must have knocked it off the edge of your desk. Uh, give it to me, will you? Maybe that one the mink coat I seen come in this morning. Hmm. <laughs> It was hers, all right. The faint, sweet odor of her perfume still clung to it. But it wasn't the lipstick, comb, small change, and key that made it so heavy. It was the thirty-two revolver inside, three bullets recently fired. A driver's license told me her name was Doris Romano, and it gave an address. Nobody was home. The lady next door dropped her mop long enough to wheeze out where Mr. Romano worked. I twisted my way down an iron stairway into a furnace room. 
Joyce Romano's father was taking huge bites out of a coal pile with an outsized shovel. I told him his daughter was dead. He slammed the furnace door and threw down the shovel. I knew someday I would hear this. You look like a nice young man. Like my two daughters once nice young ladies. They went away from me a long time ago and I'm left here. There was nothing I could do. There is nothing I can do. It's as if they never were. It's better that I go on shoveling until there is no more coal and I die too. I'm better dead. I took Mr. Romano down to the coroner's office and he identified her body. Later, I told Walt about the purse and turned it over to him. Everything but the 32 and the key. Maybe it was the wrong way to play it, but somehow I felt I could still give Doris Romana the help she'd wanted. She said that she had taken a taxi from Brooklyn. So Diamond went to Brooklyn. I don't know how many cab stands there are in Brooklyn, but I can tell you where you can find 104 of them. Sorry, but I got a fare. Where? Under the floorboards? In there, eating. I'm looking for information. Here. Ah, gumboots, huh? Who's getting cheated? Did you carry a brunette in a mink coat all the way to Manhattan sometime this morning? Maybe. Where'd you pick her up? Brooklyn, house on M Street. What house? How's a little all-expense account? Well, here's a fen. Oh, no. That's all there is. Only one to a customer. Okay, I'll tell you about the house, but I won't tell you about the guy. What guy? You surely want to a customer. Well, let's say we had a change in management. Okay, now tell me about the guy. Uh, tall, dark-haired, blue-suit kind. He was sort of chasing her when she climbed into me cab. Looked like a mash. Hmm. With spring still two months away? Come on, take me to the house. Uh, it's the gray one, 900 block. Find it yourself like I told you. I got a fan. I found the house easy enough. There was a for sale sign on it. The door was locked, so I walked around and back and peeked in the kitchen window. Then I remembered I still had the key that had been in Doris's purse. Ah, uh, it worked. Inside, the order of tar or printer's ink or something along those lines hit me. I was just starting to sniff around when a tall blue suit eased himself in through the kitchen door. He looked at me like I was breathing some air that belonged to him. You could use your GI loan. You ought to buy it. It's a real steal. Oh, thanks. I'm just looking. Well, we charge for that, too. Oh. Well, I, uh, I don't think she'd like it. Your wife? No. Just a girl in a mink coat. Name of Doris Romano. Where'd you get the key to this house? From her. It was in her will. She's dead. I'll get my black suit pressed. I met a cab driver who says he knows you. Said you were doing a chase scene with Doris Romano early this morning. Mister, when I chase a girl, I catch her. I suppose you've got a name. Yeah. Yeah, it's Joe Riley. I own this house, or if you're a buyer, okay. If not, cop a heel. Well, I'm not a buyer. Then blow. Oh, I didn't know Lugers came that big. Mm-hmm. And they make holes to match. Yeah, I imagine so. All right, Pilgrim, you got a name? For me or you? Hmm. School isn't out yet. Just answer. Well, there's Richard Diamond, private detective. 
She came to my office this morning. What'd she have to say? Nothing. She died of poisoning before she could say anything. And the police? They have her body and identification. Well, goody for them. That all? There's still you. Any cop who wants me can find me listed in the book. I got a permit for this gun and I haven't got a record. You see, Diamond, I could blow your head off for trespassing. But I'm a real nice guy, so just get out and forget you saw me. Well, that won't be hard. Half an hour later, I picked up the evening paper, and the lead story stuck out like a white derby on an undertaker. It was about an unidentified man pulled out of the river that afternoon. The coroner had picked three thirty-two slugs out of him. What is it, Rick? Well, uh, about this guy they pulled out of the river. Anything on him? Why? No, oh, just curiosity. That's uh, a terrible thing. Not just three thirty-two slugs, but they'd been filed down the center. Dum-dums? Dum-dums. Tore the poor guy all apart. Everybody in the department's plenty sore. You want to see the body? Uh, some of the time. I know what it would look like. As I left Walt's office, I felt like I was standing on a trap door and the warden had just smiled at the hangman. But I had to take Doris Romano's thirty-two out of my pocket and look at it. The three remaining bullets were all filed right down the center. Dum-dums. Everybody had a right to be sore, especially me. to Richard Diamond, Private Detective, starring Dick Powell. It was hard to picture my angel-faced client pumping dumb, dumb bullets into some guy and tossing him in the drink, but that's the way it looked. I had no choice but to turn the gun and bullets over to Lieutenant Walt Levinson for investigation. And the aftermath was something only a hurricane would understand. He acted like an historian who'd caught George Washington telling a lie. Well, I guess this kind of proves who knows what who was talking about, doesn't it, Rick? All right, so who's on first? Want me to tell you what's on second? I don't want you to tell me anything because I know everything now. You know, they could use you in some very high official circles. Go ahead, make jokes. I didn't know I had. A man is found in the river with dum-dum bullets in him. She's carrying the gun that did it. Her fingerprints were on it. And then she commits suicide. Remorse. Ah, baloney. Why did she come to my office to die? Why, when she didn't even know me, was I the last person on the earth she chose to see if she committed suicide? Dames in love want to make a big show. Publicity. Go out with a three-column spread. Then why didn't she drop down on the city desk of the graphic? They'd have printed the story in real blood. Hers. You were a lot closer than the graphic. Now, Walt. Walt, I'm going to explain this to you patiently. Mm -hmm. I've seen women of every kind. Hard, soft, sweet, warm, cheap, treacherous, mean... But I've never known a woman to lie in your arms dying, look up at you with the most innocent black eyes in the world and ask you to help her after she had just come fresh from killing a man. Psychology, I don't know. But evidence, I do. If she went to all that trouble to get rid of the body, why didn't she get rid of the gun, too? Well, I don't know. Oh, Walt, this is the sweetest double cross since the three-way stretch. Somebody planted that gun on her. Now, if you can keep it out of the papers, somebody's going to wonder why the gun wasn't found. 
and come looking for it. Will you give that theory a try? And I suppose you'll be waiting for them with a butterfly net. I'll be waiting for them with a picture of that girl's black eyes in the back of my head. What do you say? Well... Thanks, Walt. Personnel told me that the gun had been purchased by American Trust and Loan Company in 1941 and permitted to a bank messenger named Dale F. Bronson. The address was an apartment on 63rd Street. When I saw all the expensive cars out in front, I was thinking I should have been a bank messenger. When she answered the door, I knew it. Pure gold. Well, hello. Tall, aren't you? Oh, I do my best. Somehow I knew you'd belong to one of those cars out in front. Which one? Longest low convertible. What can I do for you? Oh, well, I'll rephrase the answer. I'd like to talk inside. It's terribly early for me to receive strangers. Oh, well, I sent my hourglass to the Sahara for a checkup. Besides, my watch is broken. Come on in. I'll see if I can fix it. I'm great with a Swiss movement. Hmm, it shows. Are you Mrs. Bronson? Yes, and my name's Kitty. Kitty? Oh, nice. It's too bad I have to say this, but I'd like to see your husband. Preferably before he sees me and draws the right conclusion. He's not here. Expect him? You're going to love this. No. Where is he? He's in a place where nothing matters anymore. Cemetery. Sorry. Don't be. He stuck his neck out and tried to be a hero one day. Somebody shot him and stole the money he was carrying. You don't seem to miss him much. I'm still wearing black. Right color, Kitty, but wrong cut. It's a new philosophy I've worked out. I understand he worked for the American Trust and Loan. They uh, bought him a gun. Don't tell me you're here to talk about guns. Who sent you? Field and stream? Well, this is a sort of a collector's item. Recognize him? No, should I? It belonged to your husband. You say it was my husband's? I suppose it was. I don't know for sure. We only stayed together a year. He had a lot of things. After he was killed, what happened to those things? I don't know. He moved in with his mother. She probably disposed of them. I'd like to talk to his mother. Where could I find her? This just isn't your night. She's in the cemetery. Next to him, heart failure. Well, I'll wash up, get my pay, and go home. Just who are you? Richard Diamond. You can call me Richard Diamond. Detective? Fridays. Arrest me. Mm-mm. Not until you commit a felony. This is only a misdemeanor. You're a sergeant? Five-star general. Run my own outfit. Come here. Hmm. My application for the auxiliary. Pass. Uh, uh, fail. If we ever open a recreation center, I'll let you know. Outside, where things were milder, I lit up a camel and tried to think of something smart. Then I began looking around for a cab. And that was my first mistake. Two bulky forms slid in behind me, and we walked Indian file for a few steps. When we reached the alley, I turned around to see who it might be. Ooh! That was my second mistake. I didn't have time to make any more. All right, Rennie. Drag him down this alley. Now, prop him up against the wall. I hope we don't chip none of these bricks with his head. <laughs> mm. Hey, Diamond... I know it's hard for you to see right now, but can you hear me? You've got a lot of punch in that delivery. Do you get it? <clears throat> if I didn't get it before, I, I just got it then. Yeah, 
I just got one thing to say. Mind your own business. Mind your own business. Mind your own business. Mind your own business. I went out of business about two punches later. At an ice age later, a yellow cat with one bad eye began licking my face. I guess he thought I was something left over from Toot Shores. When I dissolved back in, I was lying on a soft, white bed in police emergency hospital. Lieutenant Walt Levinson was leaning over me. He looked sad and puzzled, like he was trying to pick a lock with a wet hair. Rick. Rick, it's me. Oh, I, I can hear you, Walt. You've got a mouthful of firecrackers. One of the radio cars found you lying in an alley. What happened? Oh, that's a bright question. Will I even rate a little sympathy? Why should you? Nine times out of ten, you ask for it. And get it. Now, look, Walt, there's, a, there's an irritated tone in your voice that isn't on the scale. Ask somebody to get me my pants, will you? You can't walk out of here in your condition. I got work to do. My client still has a bad name. Yeah, it's even worse now. You know, besides being overconfident, you're overconfident. Rick, Rick, that body with the dum-dum's been identified. His name's Sam Gulliver, treasury agent. Treasury agent? Yeah, he'd been after your client for a couple of months for passing bad money. Looks like he moved in to make the pinch and she shot him. Bad money? Bad money? Oh, Walt, uh, what time is it? Quarter at 12. Why? Hmm. Well, I guess I'm 15 minutes away from being out of business. I used her daughter to renew my license fee. Well, I'd pay it for you myself if you could tell me who she'd been working with. Dig, Walt. I know a gray house in Brooklyn that just reeks of printer's ink. And I know a guy named Joe Riley who's probably got some skin knuckles. Oh? Well, do I get my pants now? I filled Walt in with some of the details on our way over there. He took it pretty hard. But the thought of talking to a live suspect thrilled him. I knew it would. We slipped down the alley and back at the place and cut our lights. The house was dark and quiet. No one stopped us when we let ourselves in the basement door. The smell of printer's ink was still strong. Throw the flash over there against that wall, Rick. Hey. A whole basement full of evidence. Plates, prints, machinery. You hit it, Rick. Now all we need is Riley. Just above us, the whole world began to explode. I took the stairs three at a time, walked right behind me. We ran to the front of the house, and from the window we saw a long, low convertible that looked familiar, streaking from the curb. I was making a lunge through the doorway when I tripped over a former acquaintance. Hi, hi, nosy. How's tricks? Riley. You, you must be made out of rubber. I thought I bounced you for at least 20 hours. Should we could get... Uh, uh, I'll get an ambulance, Rick. Uh, no hurry, Walt. You wouldn't know the difference. I better get a pickup out on that car we just saw pull away. Uh, but I find it before you do. Huh? You got a corpse here, Walt. Let me have my fun. I used the cab to get back over to 63rd Street. The same kind of expensive cars were still parked out in front. Only one of them, a long, low convertible, had a very hot radiator. 
Oh, it's you. Tell me how tall I am, Kitty. Well, I'd love to, but not right now. I was kind of hoping we could have a drink. Got any hemlock? I said later. I'm really tired. I said now. Well, you are eager. What do you want? A poor dumb kid who knew she'd been used asked me to help her this morning, just before she dropped dead. And I'm helping her. I just happen to be fresh out of medals. You shot Joel Riley less than half an hour ago. Uh, Now, don't reach for it, lady. I'd like a good excuse. Let me go. Doris Romano didn't know she was passing bad money for you and your boyfriend, Riley. When the agent tried to make the arrest, either you or Riley shot him. And then Doris knew the whole setup. And you knew she was scared. Joe Riley poisoned her. I didn't do it. I didn't want him to do it, and he was dumb enough to think it was clever to plant the gun in her purse. But you didn't kill Riley for being so dumb. You had a better reason, Kitty. I talked to a coal shoveler in a basement this morning. He was bitter about both his daughters going wrong. One of them was Doris. The other was you. Those black eyes give you away right now. All right. Look, I have a lot of money. Real money. Good money. Enough for two of us. We could do anything, go anywhere. Be a chance to stop gumshoeing around and be somebody. And Ricky, you know how I am. I can be nice. Awful nice. That's what scares me, Kitty. Now listen to me. They'll send me to prison. I'll grow old and ugly there. If you're lucky. Oh, Rick, please. Please let me go. I'll give you all the money. I'll do anything. Please. Please help me. You know, lady, for a minute, you sounded just like your sister. Here's Dick Powell with a special message. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, any way that we can help make the lives of our hospitalized servicemen and veterans happier is always gratifying. Now, until next week... Dick Powell can now be seen in the RKO picture, Cry Danger. Tonight's adventure of Richard Diamond was written by John Michael Hayes and E. Jack Newman with music by Frank Worth. Our director is Helen Mack. Featured in the cast were Virginia Gregg, Wilms Herbert, and Arthur Q. Bryan. Listen next week for another exciting transcribed adventure of Richard Diamond, starring Dick Powell. This is your FBI. The official broadcast from the files of the FBI follows immediately. Stay tuned. This program came to you from Hollywood. This is the American Broadcasting Company. Hi, this is Andrew from otrwesterns.com. I wanted to invite you to come take a look at our site where we put out podcasts of old-time radio westerns. Check us out at otrwesterns.com. You're listening to The Great Detectives of Old-Time Radio with Adam Graham. Now let's get back into the show. Welcome back. It's been a while since we've had an episode where Diamond's uh, better nature and his sense of duty is on display. And it's it's a good thing to see here. I thought that the scene with the uh, murdered woman's father, at the time, it seemed to me kind of like, okay, where is this scene going? Because it didn't seem tied into anything. But it possessed a key clue which Diamond picked up on. Might have flowed a little better if there were a bit more to connect it. I will also say that Riley is kind of a confusing character. 
because Riley killed the woman who was Diamond's client, but for some reason stopped short of killing Diamond, even after a second encounter. This seems weird unless Riley is a big enough dope to think that this will scare Diamond off, given his police connections, which I think Riley probably would have to know about by this point. All right, well, now we do turn to listener comments and feedback. And uh, Tim uh, comments over on Facebook. You heard Jim. Uh, and this one is regarding the episode, uh, The Blue Surge Suit. He writes, you heard Jim Backus, I heard Jim Backus, but Jim Backus was not credited at the end of the show. The only credits uh, were for Virginia Gregg, Wilms Herbert, and Arthur Q. Bryan. Were we both mistaken? Uh, no, we weren't. Um, I, I think that the methods that shows had for crediting stars and guest stars varied a whole lot. Credits were not always complete. They each really had their own methods about who they listed. For example, we listen to this week's episode and we hear the very distinctive voice of Sheldon Reynolds. If you watched A Wonderful Life, you know, you've heard that voice. Where he played Nick, you know, out you two pixies go, through the door or out the window, though in a distinctly Sheldon Reynolds way. However, he's not credited. Credits here seem to only be listing the main cast, though other shows do occasionally list all the guest actors, and some will only list some. It's a reason why it's really hard to have a definitive resource um, on uh, radio appearances. I had someone ask me a while back, you know, was I aware of somewhere that listed every single radio appearance by Virginia Gregg. That's a challenge for a couple reasons. The biggest one, of course, is that so many of uh, Virginia Gregg's performances have uh, been lost. But equal to that is the uh, varying standards that different programs had for listing their guest cast. With a voice like Jim Backus or a voice like Sheldon Reynolds, it's not really a whole a lot of mystery. You can generally tell when they're on stage, but you have those actors who have uh, a thousand voices and can be voicing anyone from six years old up to 95, and they got a lot of work, but it's not always credited, and if you go through and you listen to programs you think that they were on, it's really a big matter of guesswork as to figuring out if they were in the actual program. Radiogoldindex.com has got probably the biggest listing that is possible of individual actors and their radio performances, but by their own admission, it's not complete, and I don't think it really can be. But thanks so much for the question, Tim. Bill uh, also writes in, uh, wrote in on the same point. Glad you credited Jim Backus at the end of the show. I thought it was him. All right, well, that will actually do it for today. Join us back here tomorrow for Boston Blackie. And next Wednesday, it's another episode of Richard Dime. In the meantime, send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.